Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Self Deaf Sundays, the podcast. Do 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 do. really clear that some of the learnings from this book has really helped bring so it gives you like a high level summary of everything that this guy had figured out the power of the subconscious mind and suggestions so it's 11.07 today on the 10th of april and it's obviously night time did i say am i meant pm um and i haven't jumped on my podcast in a while just to give a bit of backstory I was trying to think of what to name this episode and I wanted it to be very me and natural and where my current headspace is at and to be completely honest it's some one thing I've learned about not doing the podcast is how unmotivated I feel I think that this platform gives me a purpose and something to work towards so I was kind of brainstorming some titles like how to get out of a funk and just feeling unmotivated and I wouldn't say I was unmotivated in general because I was actually focusing on and self-developing and other aspects of my life but I'd kind of fallen off the whole reading bandwagon I was in a bit of a reading slump um work was getting busy so I kind of just wanted to chill with my time but upon reflection I've realized how much this podcast actually gives me a purpose so when I was thinking about okay how do you get out of a funk I do every time I do a podcast I do want to do like a key takeaway thing and I was starting to brainstorm the solution straight away like having a purpose and having a purpose is something that we all want to have and to work towards but it's defining that that's the hardest the second thing I was thinking about was we're getting out of lockdown right um we have lived this life for a whole year and for me I think I've found things to keep me busy motivated and the whole lockdown situation hand on my heart has not actually impacted me that much because I'm just a generally optimistic person but I think coming out of it is actually causing me more of a social anxiety because it's like oh shoot like we're actually having to go back to normality are things going to be okay there's that overwhelming feeling of this is my life now right so those are just some of the thinking I had behind the scenes but at the same time I have discovered something new in terms of a book, a documentary. I've been watching loads of documentaries also. Um, I posted a story. It was all to do with like oceans and I know that sea spiracy is getting a lot of hype at the moment, but Blackfish is one of my favourite documentaries. Um, there's my octopus teacher, which is really good as well. I am digressing, um, but my recent find has actually been discovering the silent sage a guru of South India called Sri Ramana Maharshi and I came across this book Be As You Are in my uncle's house and I kind of just started reading it and it really reminded me of Seat of the Soul which is an episode which is the book I review quite a lot on my podcast it also reminded me of Eckhart Tolle but the whole book is talking about self self-discovery self-realization and pretty much 
detaching yourself from the mind so that you live in the present moment at all times. And I think once I picked up this book, it kind of got me back into my self-development headspace. So the main theme of today's topic is actually going to be inspired by this guru and he was around in the 1950s I think that's actually when he passed away um and whilst I was reading this book and what he stands for I think as you may see from the title today it leads to this question of altruism and whether it's actually possible and um can you actually be altruistic without gaining any benefit to yourself? So just to give a bit more context for maybe people that don't know what altruism is. Altruism refers to behaviour that benefits another individual at a cost for oneself. For example, giving your lunch away is an altruistic behaviour because it helps someone else who is hungry, but at a cost of being hungry yourself. So when someone's actually being selfless and doing things like volunteering you don't gain anything directly but you're doing it for the good of others you're giving up your time your effort your energy um but you don't actually get anything in return right that's what you think but the reality is when you help someone cross the road like an old lady yes you're helping the old lady but without realizing subconsciously it also helps feed your ego because it makes you feel better and you actually have that feeling of I feel great because I helped someone else so this whole idea of altruistic behavior whether you can actually help someone else without gaining any feeling of I feel great is something that has been debated for years and years and I actually had a conversation with my cousin I think when we were pretty young I th- we must have been in year eight or year nine and he watched a documentary about the psychologist who wanted to truly discover whether altruism is possible so he wanted to help someone else without that feeling of feeling great and he couldn't ever figure that out so this t- topic has always been very much of interest to me and after reading and coming across Sri Ramana Maharshi, he's also known as Bhagavan in um, South India, and his teachings his teachings has been learnt by yogis and a lot of followings all around the world now, especially in the Western culture as well. And the whole book talks around identifying who I is. So when we think about I, you think about your physical appearance, your physical achievements, a lot of materialistic things such as I am 25 and I am a podcast host and I work at a technology company, right? But that the what Ramana says is that that is not actually our true I because that's all imagined by the mind. And um, there's a documentary called Jani on YouTube that really talks about his teachings, how he came to enlightenment, liberation, freedom and happiness by having this discovery of what I actually is. So just to give a summary, he actually went through a near-death experience that made him question who am I and who is the self and what is my body and whilst going through this experience he came to this disassociation of his body with his mind and then that's when he started living like a saint a sage and started teaching followers 
across South India, but now around the world, of disassociation of the mind and our ego self. And just to give a high level overview, you can go watch the documentary or you can read the book Be As You Are by uh, David Goodman. But the one thing that people has asked him in terms of coming to enlightenment or self-realization, when you ask him what it is, um, so his biggest power when he was alive, he's passed away now, I think back in 1950, his power of peace and kind of contentment was actually felt as opposed to said so when you actually saw him in real life you just felt at at peace because he'd unlocked this part of consciousness that is not available in this physical world and it does sound a bit woo-woo and kind of crazy but I just find it really really fascinating Um, and his biggest so for those people who didn't understand the power of the present moment and the power of now he said it through his teachings so through his words and the one recommendation or the one answer that he gave were when someone asked him how do I become like you Bhagavan uh, Ramana how can I start living like you and start being happy and liberated and enlightened and his one word answer was attention start having attention to your feelings of who you are and also who that I is. When you say I, is it your physical body or is it something bigger? And his main teaching says that something that is constant in our living, dreaming or a deep sleep state is this idea of the self. So we can call it the self, the higher power, um, the soul, There's multiple different names for it, but he says that the self is the only thing that is constant. So even when you are sleeping, the only thing that's constant is the self, right? Or even when you're awake, there's this idea of the self. So the whole book talks about this idea and power of recognizing the self that goes beyond our physical bodies and human bodies. And that is our true natural state that is directly related to the universe the higher power which is full of abundance and um, happiness that's the self the natural state of the self is happiness and that's what we're all seeking towards and the only thing that is stopping us getting there is the ideas and um, imagination from our mind the ego self which is what he talks about quite a lot and the whole book that I'm currently reading, um, it is kind of like a conversational situation, um, and it talks about ego quite a lot, which is my favourite topic. It's something I've actually practised in my own life as well. So um, even from a personal point of view, every time I feel a bit inferior to someone in a conversation at work, or if someone I feel a bit belittled. My, inst- my instant feeling is I should feel offended or this person's trying to walk all over me. And that is normally my initial feeling. But what I've started doing is actually recognise that that's my ego talking. That's not what they meant. And one tip that has really worked for me is this idea around intent versus impact. 
the impact that I had from that person making that comment was not their intent. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know what they're going through, what their personal problems are. So every time I get feel threatened or feel like I am getting a bit irritated or frustrated, I keep saying that the impact was not their intent. And if their intent was like that, then girl or boy, bye. Like you don't need that negativity in your life. Um, so this idea of recognizing that every time you feel frustrated and you want to lash out, it's actually your ego talking because your ego never wants to get hurt. And there's this bit in the book, which I really love that I wanted to highlight. Um, question says, one has to eliminate the ego self in, in order to get into the true self. And then the answer says the ego self does not exist at all. And the question is, why does it give us trouble? And the answer says, to whom is the trouble? The trouble also is imagined. Trouble and pleasure are only for the ego. I'm just going to repeat that bit because it's just so powerful. The question says, one has to eliminate the ego self into the true self. And the answer is, the ego self actually does not exist at all. And the question says, why does it give us trouble? So when you say um, it, it's the ego self. And the answer is, to whom is the trouble? The trouble also is imagined. Trouble and pleasure are only for the ego. I found that so powerful. I'm just going to repeat that sentence once again. To whom is the trouble? The trouble also is imagined. Trouble and pleasure are only for the ego. So we all think we have trouble in our day-to-day -day life. You know, someone you sent gets sent an email. It's, oh God, there's the trouble again. Or you try to call customer service of a company because they forgot their delivery and that's causing you trouble. It's not actually trouble. The trouble is imagined. Both trouble and pleasure are for the ego. And when I read this sentence, it put everything into perspective. And it's just something that you can try yourself as well. The final thing that is really powerful from the documentary of uh, Romana, the Pagawan, he says that the only way you can understand the true self is through self-inquiry and self-surrender. And this idea of even self-dev Sundays, how did that name come about? I know for a fact that if you wish to make an impact on others and uh, to share your thoughts and inspire other people. It all starts with self-knowledge and self-awareness and self-inquiry and self-surrender. And when I saw that, that in the documentary, it kind of put everything into perspective as well. The only way you can get to that true realisation of yourself, the purpose of who you are, why you were born and why you think you have trouble is by inquiring who the real self is and also surrendering to your real self as well. I don't know if I don't know if I would call it being enlightened or getting me getting the taster of that self, but when I was I I can say about 13 or 14, I actually went through this self-inquiry I don't know experience and it wasn't like I was going crazy, or hopefully not, but I remember I had a moment where I just stared at my hand and I kept asking myself, who am I? Like, who is Lamika? Like, what is this world? Who am I? 
And when I focus on that moment so much and provide attention to that question, who am I, who is Lamika? I actually got this really weird sensation of, is this real life? Like, where am I? And I was completely disassociated with my mind and what I exist and what I am known for. And that was my, I think that was my um, taste of understanding and tapping into the self, which is that abundant source of soul and happiness and liberation and energy where I was completely disassociated with my mind and I haven't practiced that since I don't want to think about that too much just in case like you know people start thinking I'm crazy or whatever but when I tapped into that dimension or feeling it just felt like timeless um, it was just very hard to explain and even in the book it says that the natural state of the self or human being is to chase liberation and to follow on with that it says that even the fact that we chase liberation and happiness means that that is actually our real state and that's that feeling of timelessness uh, which I speak about um, from the book Seat of the Soul by Gary Zukov which is Oprah Winfrey's favourite book as well and this idea of the self, it says that it's kind of like having, being the screen um, in the movies and different movies come and go. You have different feelings and consciousness and mind made things, um, whether you're dreaming or alive. But the one thing that remains constant is the actual screen of the movie. And that is kind of like that true feeling of the self as well. And going back to this idea around, is complete altruism actually possible? Um, when I think and did a bit of re research of what altruism actually is, and it says that it's people that give up their time for others and people pleaser and all of that. And it's just one of those, it's just pretty self-explanatory. But one thing that stuck out to me was self-confidence. People that are willing to give their time to others and are willing to sacrifice um, their own resources for others are actually confident with themselves and they're not willing to give up that time because it means well for others. And if we go back to this idea around gaining full kind of true liberation as well, the three kind of key takeaways I had um, that has kind of been accumulated from Eckhart Tolle's books and Seat of the Soul and this new book I'm coming across uh, by Sri Ramana Maharshi is being free of mind and every time you have a thought is also looking at it in third person so one example of putting this into practice is that if you're feeling anger you can rephrase that statement and say I am feeling anger right now I can feel myself getting heated up um, and Eckhart Tolle talks about it in his book as well he says that rather than becoming the thinker you need to be the watcher so you're actually watching how you feel and that is the true example of consciousness or getting rid of the ego self because you're not thinking with your mind anymore it's all about inward thinking rather than outward thinking and we're so easy and quick to lash out at people um, and we always have our say without thinking a lot um, but the best things happen when you don't react straight away and also by 
trusting your true instincts, your gut feelings. I did a whole episode around gut feelings as well. Um, And it's always being in tune with those signs. For example, if someone asks you to do something, if you've got doubt, whether it's a project or telling you to go somewhere, if you have doubt, that often means don't do it. Don't move, don't answer or don't rush forward because our subconscious mind works so much faster than our conscious mind, right? So every time you have a feeling, you know, something's a bit off and this person's a bit off, there's doubt in terms of you giving your all or um, being your true self, then that probably means don't. But alternatively, you also know when something is telling you to do or go for something, even though it's scary in the beginning, for example, accepting a job when you just feel like it's just the right thing for you. Um, so the same thing can happen um, again. And it's all about thinking rather than being led by your thoughts, it's actually being aware of the thoughts. So being the watcher as opposed to the thinker, right? And um, secondly, this idea around can true altruism happen? Um, the only way you can be selfless and give to others if if you understand that there's enough for everyone as well. So it's all about changing your mindset as well. And I did an Instagram post around this where so often we think that we're in competition with our colleagues and peers and there's only enough space for limited people to excel. But it's all about changing your mindset um, and thinking with an abundant mindset as opposed to a limited mindset. And I recently went through a course, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it also talks about having that win-win mentality. And the only way you can have this kind of altruistic behaviour is um, by recognising that you giving up your time for someone doesn't mean that there's less time for you. The reality is there's only probably more for you to gain from the action that you have carried out. So the second kind of action to eventually lead to that true liberation is change your mindset by having that win-win mentality, um, that abundant mindset as opposed to that limited limiting mindset. And the third thing is I did some research around altruism itself. Altruism is actually universal and unique to only human beings. So there was a study done by psychologists in um, 2015 uh, in a journal where they interviewed kids in a rural village by giving them candy and asking and seeing whether they would actually give it to their peers and they went ahead and did it. Kids in Canada, more in the first world country, did the same thing. But monkeys weren't the same. They didn't care. They thought that they just looked out for themselves. So I know that this is just one study done, um, I think in 2015, which was a journal of experimental psychology. Um, the monkeys looked out for themselves by getting a higher reward, even if it meant that it was at a cost to their close by family member or a relative so altruism is also universal and unique to human beings so just to kind of summarize the three things that you can do to learn from Sri Ramana um, and he is also main shown to be the most altruistic human being because he let he lived his life as a sage he had no possessions when people came to him for help regardless of the time of the day he used to always give his teachings and thoughts and advice to people that came to him he had no possessions um he didn't 
own anything. He used to wear a pair of just a white cloth around him and he was a giver um, of knowledge to everyone around him. So when I look at Sri Ramana, I look at him and say, yeah, altruism is possible because he had nothing to gain. But at the same time, he was enlightened and he managed to associate his body with who he is. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of things we can actually learn from Sri Ramana. I'm not saying that we all need to go to India and turn into a sage, but I think there's a lot of teachings from him that we can apply in our day-to-day -day lives as well. And the three ways of doing that is by being free of the mind, so being aware of your emotions by providing attention, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, speaking to yourself in third person by saying, I'm feeling anger right now, or I'm feeling frustrated. Um, and also, secondly, um, always trusting your instincts and your gut feelings, because they never lie. Our subconscious always works um, quicker and more powerful than our conscious mind, which is something I speak about quite a lot as well. Um, and finally, it's about changing your mindset to have that win-win mentality, lead with an abundant mindset as opposed to um, a limited mindset, because there is enough for all of us and the universe is full of abundance. So Hopefully that was a, an interesting episode for people to listen to. I know it's very meek speaksy, but also something different. And it's also very, very relevant to what I'm reading. And um, something that I am constantly practicing, something I wish to practice and to develop in the future as well. So I don't know, to summarise, going back to the question of, is true altruism possible? Um... Sri Ramana has proved it is because he devoted his whole life as a sage to help others. I don't know if I'm going to do that anytime soon. I like my life here. Um, but there are practices that we can adopt that can lead to altruism um, to help others, but also help us along the way by self-inquiry and self-surrender as well so hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode um, let me know if you end up watching that documentary or reading this book and i look forward to catching you same time next week for another episode of oted thank you thank you guys once again for listening to another episode of the podcast hope you guys found it as enjoyable as i did recording it and if you want to share some feedback or show some support feel free to follow me on at self tough sundays with a double s on instagram and i look forward to catching you same time next week thank you.